Welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. We're here to catch you up on all things health and wellness. If you're worried about your risk of heart disease or cancer, you may be taking supplements like fish oil or vitamin D to protect your health. Millions of Americans do. And you may have seen a lot of headlines recently that are just plain confusing. Some say, save your money, the supplements don't make a difference. And others say the opposite is true. Here's what happened. Researchers studied almost 26,000 healthy older people for five years. They divided them into four groups, and each group took fish oil, vitamin D, both, or only placebos. In the end, neither supplement prevented cancer or serious heart problems. That's a combination of heart attacks, strokes, and heart-related deaths. Now, a second analysis of the study found that when you look at just heart attacks, instead of all heart problems, fish oil seemed to lower them by 28%, and vitamin D seemed to reduce cancer deaths, but not diagnoses, by 25%. Confusing, right? Well, don't worry. Dr. Michael Smith, our chief medical editor, is here to walk us through all of it. Hey, Dr. Smith. Hi there. First of all, let's talk about why people were taking these supplements in the first place. What are fish oil and vitamin D supposed to do for you? Yeah, the reason that we sometimes or sometimes people take them for heart disease or cancer is because there were some early and small studies that showed a possible connection between fish oil and heart disease and vitamin D and cancer. But these are small, not well-designed studies that really just suggest the possibility but don't give us enough evidence to say that with good confidence that there is a true relationship between, again, fish oil and heart disease or vitamin D and cancer. So that's why this study is so important. So people just kind of took that and ran with it and started taking these supplements. As we often do, we look for a reason to pop a pill. Now let's talk about these dueling headlines. Some of them saying that fish oil and vitamin D don't prevent heart disease and cancer, and some saying that they were effective. What happened there? This has to do with how these new studies were designed. They were specifically designed to test if fish oil could prevent the combination of heart attacks, strokes, and heart-related deaths, or if vitamin D could prevent cancer. So without getting into the nitty-gritty of the statistical issues around studies, so when a study is designed to test a specific issue, that's really the only issue that you can make a firm conclusion about. So the reports that there were no associations between fish oil and heart disease and vitamin D and cancer are really the ones that you should trust. However, what some did was pull out smaller secondary findings that were not the intent of the study. So when they singled out heart attacks, for example, like you mentioned, they found that fish oil did seemingly decrease the risk of heart attack, not the combination of heart-related events, like you said. And this was even more so in people who ate little to no fish or in African-Americans. So what does this really mean? Well, maybe there's a connection. And maybe there's not. And that's really where the issue is and why we shouldn't focus on that for these studies, at least. So we really need better studies looking specifically at those populations to be able to say anything for sure. You kind of mentioned this before, but there's been a lot of studies of fish oil and vitamin D over the years. What makes this one so special? Well, you know, the biggest issue is that this is a, what we call a placebo-controlled trial. People either took fish oil, vitamin D, both or, or neither, just placebos. That's the strongest kind of study that we can do. We give some people a type of intervention and follow them over a long period of time, like five years in this study, to determine if they have a specific outcome. So a lot of people 
nearly 26,000, over a long period of time, as opposed to other studies, which just had a very few people over a small amount of time. Some of those were even my studies. So they either, in the people studies, they either asked people if they took fish oil or vitamin D and relied on their memories, which are not very good when it comes to our memory of what we did or did not take over a long period of time. So that's really why this study is so exciting and such a strong study. But let me call out another big difference. Those other studies were oftentimes relying on people taking like over-the-counter supplements. The problem is we don't really know what your body is absorbing from those supplements or really what's even in the supplements. In this study, they use prescription type of fish oil and vitamin D. So again, we know that the people were getting what they were taking. That gets to that whole issue of supplements not being regulated as strongly, so you're not totally confident what's in a supplement you just buy at the drugstore. That's right. There was another recent study showing an association between, between taking prescription type of fish oil, and it did lower the risk of heart disease. But other studies looking at over-the-counter fish oils have not shown that. So we're starting to see that there seems to be an effect with the type of fish oil that you take, making sure that your body is really getting what it needs. Somebody might hear this and think, well, why am I taking these pills? Should you throw out your fish oil or vitamin D if you're already taking them? Well, you know, there's not necessarily reason to throw out, but I would say that there's certainly a big question about whether or not you need to bother taking them. But let's be clear. These studies, again, were looking only at fish oil for heart disease and vitamin D for cancer and for people who had no history of either condition. But for people who do have a history of heart disease, for example, studies have already shown the benefit of taking fish oil. And even for people with heart disease who don't like fish, some doctors will still recommend that you fill in the gap by taking fish oil supplements, even possibly over the counter. So if you have heart disease, talk to your doctor. Um, if you have bone problems like osteoporosis or at risk for that, your doctor will still probably recommend you take vitamin D because we know it's very helpful for that. So again, just really pay attention to what you're taking it for. Most importantly, always let your doctor know to determine if it's really a good idea for you. Lastly, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What are some more effective ways to prevent heart disease and cancer? Yeah, well, that's because you know me pretty well, and yes. I'm a huge <laughs> proponent for lifestyle treatment for prevention. And, and we know what you can do to help prevent heart disease and cancer. So to me, that's really exciting because we have control to actually make changes in our lives and in our health without the need to pop another pill. That's really what it's all about. So yes, getting to a healthy weight, maintaining a healthy weight, exercising regularly, eating a diet rich in vegetables and choosing lean sources of protein, and of course, don't smoke. All of those work to help prevent heart disease and cancer because lifestyle is medicine. We say it a lot here on the podcast, but that's because it's true. It bears repeating. Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Smith. Thank you. For many of us, the holidays mean nonstop rounds of parties from now until January 1st. And whether it's a big family dinner or a get-together with trays of appetizers, let's find out if what's on the table is naughty or nice. All right, question one. What's the least healthy way to fix your turkey? Is it deep-fried turkey, oven-roasted fresh or frozen turkey, or oven-ready seasoned turkey? 
the kind you get in a bag at the grocery store. The answer is number one, the deep fried turkey. We started you off with a bit of a softball this time, but hey, it's the holidays. You guessed it, deep frying your turkey tastes great, but it adds fat and calories that oven roasted birds just don't have. Even the pre-seasoned turkey is a better bet for your waistline. Moving on, question number two. For those of us craving some homemade pie this holiday season, and really, who isn't, which of these three is the healthiest? Is it A, apple, B, pumpkin, or C, pecan? The answer is B, pumpkin. Faithful Health Now listeners won't be surprised. We talked all about the benefits of pumpkins a few weeks back. But if you missed that episode, here's the scoop. Pumpkin packs a ton of vitamin A along with vitamin C, E, iron, folate, and potassium. Plus, one slice has half the fat and 200 fewer calories than a slice of pecan pie. Sure, pecans are nuts and a heart-healthy fat, but that pie is also made with corn syrup, butter, and eggs. An apple pie probably has more sugar in the filling, plus a crust on top that doubles the flour and butter. All right, time for question number three. Which holiday treat is at the top of Santa's naughty list? A sugar cookie, a candy cane, or a gingerbread man? All right, the two cookies share the same DNA, butter, sugar, and eggs. At a normal size, they're both around 100 calories. But if your gingerbread man is a giant, then he'll be the one to blame if you pack on holiday pound or two. That candy cane, by the way, may have half the calories of cookies and no fat, but remember, it's all sugar. Question number four, if you're ready to bust out a better party tray, what cheese should you top your crackers with? Number one, brie, number two, cheddar, or number three, goat cheese? The answer is number one, brie. Surprising, right? That's because soft cheeses are actually lower in fat and calories than their firmer cousins. In terms of calories per ounce, brie has 95, goat cheese has 103, and good old cheddar tops the scales at 114. Time for question number five. Speaking of appetizers, which of these throwback party treats is better for you? Is it pigs in a blanket or a shrimp cocktail? You know the answer to this one already, right? Chilled shrimp and cocktail sauce is way healthier than the tiny hot dogs in a crescent roll. They taste great, but of course they're full of fat and calories. You may hear bad things about shrimp and cholesterol, but if you limit it to about four shrimp, you'll only get about 46 milligrams. That's well below the 200 milligram limit for people who need to watch their numbers. Question number six, Woo! With all that food, you're gonna need an adult beverage, right? What's the healthiest cup of holiday cheer? Mulled wine, champagne, or eggnog? The answer for this one, go for the bubbly. Champagne is the better choice. Eggnog is loaded with cream, sugar, fat, and calories, and that's before it's spiked. Mulled wine could have added sugar and fruit. And beware if someone offers you a Swedish version called glog. In addition to wine, it also has brandy and vodka. That's quite a cocktail. Finally, question number seven, how do all these holiday treats add up? Is the average holiday weight gain one to two pounds, four to five pounds, or seven to 10 pounds? Good news, the answer is just one to two pounds. 
The bad news is that it's calculated from winter to spring, so if you don't get rid of it before the next holiday season, it'll add up year over year. The solution, bump up your exercise routine when you know temptation is around the corner. It's official. We are right in the middle of the holiday season and all the treats and celebrations and busy schedules that come with it. Today, we're talking with Mackenzie Boker, WebMD's senior social media editor. You've heard her on Health Now before. She talked with us earlier this year about her weight loss journey that began in January of 2017. But part of her plan is not letting the holidays derail her health goals. She's here to share some tips on how she keeps herself on track during the most wonderful time of the year. Welcome back, Mac. Thanks for having me. The holidays can be a tough time for anyone who's trying to maintain a healthy weight, never mind trying to lose weight. How do you approach the season so that you can stick to a healthy plan? I definitely think that the holidays can be a sticky time, but I think the number one goal that I have in mind is coming up with a game plan. So you need to know what gets you into trouble before you face it head on. So for me, it's always the dessert and casserole table. Absolutely. Anything with cream, I'm 100% want it. Anything with chocolate, I 100% want it. <laughs> That's what the holidays are all about. Yeah. Of course. And I think it's unrealistic f to ask myself to avoid my favorite seasonal treats completely. And it's just cruel. Like, they come around once a year, you should celebrate. Uh, but with that said, I think that I, I always try to make a promise to myself ahead of time about portion sizes, about where I'm going to splurge. So maybe that means the week before I'm really conscious about how many leafy greens I'm putting into my body and how much I'm hydrating and exercising on all of those things. So that way, when the actual holidays come around, I already have those healthy habits in place. Even if it's something small, it just starts somewhere. Right. Have a plan so you don't get overwhelmed in the moment by all the choices. It's totally easy to do that. Absolutely. And exercise is a part of this for you as well. Is that right? Yeah, it is. And I think that it's so easy when we reach that September, October point to fall off the wagon and then just kind of continue it through the holidays. The weather is getting colder out. But and everyone's busy too. Right. You're running around, you're trying to get things, maybe you're hosting, maybe you're traveling, uh, maybe you're getting ready for the make plans in the new year. Whatever it may be, my rule of thumb year-round, even during the holidays, is the three-day rule. I don't go more than three days within working out. I'm not a gym rat, but it does keep me honest about the excuses I'm making, especially in the winter months when it's colder. Right. Like, oh, it's cold. I don't want to go. Or Christmas is two weeks away. I don't need to work out. I'll celebrate now. There's so many excuses oh that gosh. you can come up with. <laughs> I, I need to buy something off the internet for a gift. It's like, no, you can do that in an hour. It's not going to kill you. Um and it also keeps me sane during the holidays. It can be a stressful time for a lot of folks. And of course, end of year madness, trying to wrap projects up. So mentally, I feel better when I work out. So it's not just about burning calories. But I think having that plan in place, it offsets maybe some of the stress around the holidays, regardless of if it's food or mental or whatever it may be. I think it's a good habit to get into ahead of January 1st when a lot of folks are headed back to the gym. Absolutely. And... Even though we talk about the holiday season, there's really only a handful of days like Thanksgiving where eating less than healthy food is the big focus. So what is your plan to keep yourself healthy on all the other days? As long as you get back to the grind the very next day, your body and the scale will adjust. So I think it's just important to remember that it's just like if you were to a lot some of your weekly calories or however you're, you're monitoring that for a Friday night date. 
think of those holidays in the same way. You don't go on seven Friday night dates. Maybe you do. Um, (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Hot dates, holidays. (laughs) Uh, But I think that you would portion it out in that way, knowing that you were going to cash in, per se, on those calories for one meal. And are there go-to recipes or menus that you rely on when you know maybe at the end of the week or maybe next week you're going to have a little bit more of a high-calorie kind of meal coming up? In our house, I think that grocery shopping, it becomes increasingly important as we hit closer to the end of the year to stick with the grocery shopping plan and the meal plans. It's a great way also to save money because you're not eating out. And also there's no hidden calories. You know what you're putting into what you're making, which is helpful. But I think if you're getting tired of the same old recipes, this is a great time to check out some of those new cookbooks that are on the market for Christmas and the holidays. There's a lot of healthy ones. Skinny Taste just came out with another cookbook. It looks amazing. A lot of nice winter recipes in there. If you're not into cookbooks, a great source is crowdsourcing it and then lastly there's just so many great things in season right now Brussels sprouts apples squash cauliflower and some of my favorites are come from pinterest and the internet so emily bites is a blogger and she has a chicken and stuffing casserole that is so good and it's so easy sounds takes five minutes to put together you have to come up with a pretty good excuse not to make time for that it's five minutes of prep you pop it in the oven you're good to go. That it's, sounds pretty indulgent. That sounds it's great. super yummy. Nice. Um, and then Two Peas in Their Pod has a recipe for a butternut squash and caramelized onion mac and cheese. Ooh. And I actually make this in the summertime, too, for barbecue. But it's such a it tastes so great in the wintertime, too. I love the butternut squash in the cheese sauce to yes. kind of make it a little lighter, but you still get that creaminess. That is You're a really yourself. great trick. I love that so it's much. It's even orange. Yes. You, don't, you wouldn't even know. And then the last one is an enchilada soup, which is basically just an excuse to eat all the veggies and not call it veggie soup um, with a little bit of spice. So, you know, you put black beans in there, you put corn, jalapenos, bell peppers, onion, garlic, and tomato sauce. And it's just so yummy. And the great thing about that is that it also freezes. Great. Sounds good for a cold night, too. What advice do you have for anyone who's really focused on a weight goal, but they just want to enjoy themselves during the holidays. It's important to remember that these holidays do come around once a year. You should enjoy them. That's my hot take on it. Treating them as a special occasion is number one. Number two, also have a little bit of grace with yourself. January 1st doesn't have to be the only reset button for the year. It's your life. You can make the rules. You can steer the ship how you see fit. And so I think if you see yourself falling off track or gaining weight, or maybe it's a couple days after Thanksgiving and you do take home those leftovers, it's okay. That's the biggest lesson that I learned in weight loss is having a little bit of grace with yourself and being willing to forgive yourself if you do fall off the wagon. So many great tips. And now I'm really excited to eat over the holidays. So I hope you have a good holiday season, Mac. You too. See you in 2019. All right. All those tasty holiday dishes take so much time to put together, you just can't bear to toss them out. So how do you safely store your leftovers? Start by chilling food within two hours of cooking it or after you stop warming it. That's all it takes for bacteria to start to grow. If you wait longer than that, be ready to toss it. Now, when you're getting ready to put it away, divide food into small portions so it cools more quickly. Cut up big pieces of meat like ham, chicken, or turkey breasts. Put it in a shallow container and cover it with a lid, foil, or plastic wrap. 
You can leave it in the fridge for up to four days and make sure the temperature is set at 40 degrees or lower. If you're freezing leftovers, write the date on the bag or container. Not everything freezes well, but most foods will last for up to four months without losing texture or taste. When you're ready to enjoy that holiday glow again, thaw it in the microwave. Make sure it gets to 165 degrees. You can check with a food thermometer. That's about all there is to it. Now enjoy your leftovers, the one gift that truly keeps on giving. Time for our tweak of the week. Shorten your to-do list. Resist the urge to list out everything you could possibly work on today. Instead, write down a handful of things that should get done. Then edit your list down again to only the top few tasks, three to five things that need to get done today. You'll end up with a much more doable, specific list and feel more successful when you get through it. And be sure to put some health goals on there too. That's all for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Talk to you next time.